Area 52 Updates on Num Alaskan Aliens Adoption The small rural town of Num in Alaska is also known as Land of Loss has been the scene for various people going missing over the last five decades. The cops and FBI have always tried to cover up the whole thing. <coughs> Saying that these mysterious disappearances are happening because harsh weather, excessive consumption of alcohol. The fact that the city is in the remotest boundaries of the state of Alaska makes it even more mysterious as whether the cops are to believe or is something unusual about non-Alaska. Locals, however, strongly believe there is an extraterrestrial connection and the influence behind the people going missing. Here are some of the secrets about the whole chapter of non-Alaska alien abduction stories, the secrets of the abduction. UFO sightings is a very common phenomenon in non-Alaska. As per UFO enthusiasts, this region might be serving as some sort of command centre for extraterrestrial life on Earth. As per official records, about 40 people go missing in Long Alaska between 1960 to current times. However, as per local belief, the count of people who have gone missing is much higher and would actually be many hundreds, traces of whom have never been found again. Some true life instances. Alaskan Kevin James Dewaris was last seen on January 11th, 1998, while his parents initially thought his appearance to be caused by some foul play. Later, on reports of UFO sightings in the air, forced him to believe that there is some connection between the UFOs and the experience of Kevin. As per a video footage from the Alaskan police tapes that was recorded on the 5th of October, 2003, 3am, Somewhere near Nome, a high-flying saucer is seen hovering over a house. All of a sudden, there's huge interference being observed in, on the video. One of the flying voice of the scared patrolling officer is heard fleetly before he exclaims that something was pulling people out of the house and taking them on board the flying, flying object. The whole abduction process gets over in a matter of 30 seconds as the flying saucer shoots off in the sky and fence that ceases to be, be there. But base abduction of non-movie in movies, Dr. Abigail, bases of various abduction stories have been floating in the air on non-Alaska. A, a, a Hollywood film was released, The Fourth Kind, in 2009. The film revolves around the various cases studies of local psychotherapist Dr. Abigail Tyler. The film features real-life video footage of the progressive hypnosis sessions that Dr. Tyler are conducted with her patients. The video footage, which are allegedly real, have been shot during the sessions, offer some of the most compelling evidence of various alien adaptions that happened in the history of mankind. Dr. Abigail.
that's how I dealt with it. And no matter what you believe, the recordings do not lie. We're talking about things that Hi, you've been listening to Area 52. Update on Noom Alaskan Aliens Adduction. With audio from Dr. Abigail. The interview. Thank you for listening. Bye. Welcome to Area 52. When the German UFOs buzzed the White House and the Air Force blamed the weather. In 1947, a conference in Stockholm. We will be back, but in no way the world will be never forget. Martin Boehm, Hitler's confident. The UFOs we see are flown by people for the German Empire, hidden away throughout the world. September 6, 2018. When a slew of saucer-like sightings reported off of Washington, D.C., in 1952, Air Force blocked this own investigator from checking them out. Page Rude, 1952, was a year America caught flying saucer fever. So when a rash of strange sightings reported over the skies in Washington, D.C., that summer, the press and the public demanded answers. Were the explained radios blips crafts, in some cases outrun jets, Parts of a nuclear-armed Soviet invasion, a very real threat, a height, the Red Scare, or the evidence of something more mysterious. The Washington D.C. sightings of July 1952, known as the Bleak Flap, hold a special place in the history of the UFOs. Major American newspapers were reportedly multiple credible sightings by civilian and military radar 
radar operators and pilots. So many that a special intelligence unit of the U.S. Air Force was sent to investigate what they found or didn't find, along with the Air Force. Official explanation fueled some of the earliest conspiracy theories about a government plot to hide evidence of alien life. Yovamania takes hold. It all started in 1947 when a search and rescue pilot named Keith Arnold reported nine saucer like things flying like geese in dionical chains, line, chain like line at speeds exceeding 1,000 miles per hour near Mount Rainer in Washington State. In weeks, flying saucers ship sightings were reported in 40 other states. In the name of National Security, Air Force General Nathan Twining launched Project Sign, officially Project Saucer, in 1948, the first official military intelligence program to collect information on UFO sightings. Its investigators dismissed the vast majority of its hoaxes and misidentification of known air force craft and natural phenomena. But few cases remain unexplained. By 1952, the UFO investigator unit was called Project Blue Book, led by Captain Edward Rupert and White Patterson Air, Air Force Base in Dayton, Idaho. Rupert and his teams would probably have continued to investigate a couple dozen sightings that month, if not for April 52 issue of Life magazine. Just as even cover shot of Marion Monroe ran an equally eye-catching headline. This, there is a case of intermediary sources. The article written by Rupert's full corporation explained the Air Force natural security interest in UFOs and made a convincing case, though a colourful retelling of 10 UFO incidences explained. But these undefined objects were extraterrestrial in origin, as one rocket scientist working on secret projects the US told the light vaccine are completely convinced we ha- have had out the well base ever out of well bases. According to Washington Post, the number of UFO sightings reported to the Air Force jumped over one sixfold in to twenty three from twenty three in March nineteen twenty five to hundred and twenty eight for hundred and forty eight in June. By July the precise conditions were placed for wildfire, but UFO mania, widespread civil war anxiety, mainstream press coverage, unexplained UFO incidents, and healthy dose amid summer madness. All was needed was a spark. Mysterious radar blips buzzing over the White House. Shortly before midnight on Saturday, July 19th, 1952, air traffic controller Edward Niggert at Washington Air. National Air Force spotted seven slow-moving objects to his, on his radar screen, far from, known, far from any known civilian military flight paths. He called over to his supervisor and joked about a fleet of flying saucers. At the same time, two more air traffic controllers at National spotted a strange bright light hovering the distance as suddenly zipped away by incredible speed. 
A nearby Andrews Air Force Base radar operators were getting the same unidentified blips, slow and clustered at first, and racing away at speed exceeding 7,000 miles per hour. Looking out his tower window, one Andrews controller saw that what he described as orange ball of light trailing a trail. Commercial pilot cruising above the Virginia, Washington area reported a six streaking light, bright lights like falling stars without trails. When the radio operators of National tried watching objects buzz past the White House and Capitol building, the UFO joke stopped. Two F-94s interceptor jets were scrambled, but each time they approached the location appearing on the radar screen, the mysterious blitz would disappear. By dawn 20... July 20th, the objects were gone. Nobody bothered to tell Rupert, the Air Force leader, Project Blue, investigating about sightings. He found out a few days later, he flew into Washington, D.C., and found, read news reports. Rupert tried to put, get out to National and then was to interview radar operators and air traffic controllers, but, but was has denied the government issued car or even a cab fare. Firstly, he went back to Ohio with nothing. That very Saturday, the UFOs were back again, nation's capital again. Rupert found out through a phone call from a reporter, immediately called two Air Force colleagues to check out the situation at National. The same radar blitz went back, and the radar operators wondered how loud if the dozen or so objects on these screens couldn't be summarized. Temperature aversion, a common phenomenon in DC's hot, muggy summer months. Eventually, temperature insertion occurs and a layer of warm forms in a low atmosphere and trapping cool air beneath. Radar signals can bounce off this layer. A single angles and mistakenly show near ground objects as appearing in the sky. Rupert's Air Force colleagues, however, were convinced the object on the radio screen wasn't mirages, mirages, but solid aircraft. To be safe, two more F-94 jets were scrambled to chase down the identified targets appearing on radar screens of both National and Andrews. A game of high-speed whack-a-mole ensued where the jets would race to a location Targeted by radio, and if the blips did vanish, finally one of the jet pilots caught sight of the bright light in the distance and gave chase. I, I tried to make contact with the bit bogies below a hundred thousand feet. The pilot late to reporters. I saw several bright lights, a maximum speed, but even I was not closing speed. I ceased chasing them because there was no chance of overtaking them. Virgin gas ma- ma- panic mass. Mass panic and disrupted theory. The next day, the newspaper headlines across America streamed sources swarm over Capitol and Jack Chase, DC Sky Ghosts. Publicity public game over sightings are so great the public president Henry Truman himself asked aides to get answers. A cold Rupert. He said he could have, could have seen called by temperature versions, and some more investigators were needed to fully explain both the radar images and credible eyewitness accounts. Before 
such an in-depth investigation take, could take place, the Air Force called a press conference, the longest e- such news event ever since World War II. And Air Force brass had decided about constructing a movement all the Project Blue Book, that, that the best response to society was to feed them to the press and public to easy and shallow swallow explanation. Dodging scientific, scientific questions about the pilots and radiator radar operators as seen as skies over the capital. Major John Sta- Ge- Major General John Stanford came back again and again to temp- to do the temperature virgin theory. Never mind that Rupert had, had since come come to the opposite conclusion. Have investigated a ruled out inversion, said the Adrenia Rodata, editor of the UFO News in Maine. Reading the Reading during the special question ranks, the spoilers of Capital Major John Stafford came back again and again to temperature inversion theory. Never mind that Rupert ever, ever since the opposite conclusion. In best cases, ruled out aversion, said Alex Lee Rodis, editor of the UFO site, the Open Minds. They explained that situation. The radar operators said inversion happened. We know that inversions look like this is not a virgin. This is not the same at all. To Rupert's disappointment, Air Force Press Conference Conference worked exactly as planned. The papers reported a temperature virgin story and the public largely seemed to accept it. In his nineteen fifty six book, The Report of and to identify flying objects, Rupert reports that after prefer conference, hunt UFO sightings dropped from fifty a day to ten a day. Skeptics, however, weren't satisfied the PAC government response. They accused the Air Force of Project New, New Blue Book investigations of previous behaviour and secret knowledge. It, still, it wasn't until Project Blue Book documents were made public that when the UFO sleuths could see the closest thing to government cover up of UFO sightings in the nation's capital. Actually, conspiracy overgrowth. Washington you fail that perfectly illustrates the real government's cover up, says Nick Pope, a UFO venologist who helps to run the UFO investigation unit for the British Ministry. The true truth about UFOs they're from from the people rather than the government doing his best to keep people from realising they have all the answers. The end. You've been listening to the Holes of Email podcast show. No, you haven't. You've been listening to it. Area 52. When in Germany, UFOs buzzed the White House and the Air Force blamed the weather. Area 52. Close encounters of the fifth kind. The lead mask case. 
On August the 17th of 1966, Manuel Pereira da Cruz and Miguel Josvenia left their hometowns of Campos dos Goiuerta Cayezades, telling neighbours and family they were needed for to purchase materials for work. Later evidence told that the two purchased their waterproof coats in Goiuerta they also purchased a large jug of water from a nearby calf. When interviewed by the authorities, the calf's witnesses said, stated that Miguel was very nervous, saying that he frequently checked his watch and trashed matter as though in a hurry. Three days later, on the afternoon of August 20th, the two were discovered dead on the top of Vindim Hill of Muro da Vindimum by a young boy out flying his kite, positioning their bodies described as orderly, lying next to each other over flat, each, each other flat on their backs, dressed in proper formal attire, which was covered by waterproof coats and wearing lead masks. They had, they had with them a bucket of water, a small amount of towels, but the most eerie was a note that read, 1630, Estia no loco, Dimenteo Dio, 1860, 1830. Igreo Capriotius Apollius Ephraim Acadia which translates as 1630, 4.30 to be agreed face, 1860, 6.30 p.m. Shallow capsules, after after effect, protect metals, wait for signal, mask. Also included amongst them two men's possessions were a series of electronic carts of purpose which to this day never been determined. Both had money in their wallets and no signs of a struggle, which quickly ruled out a robbery. More so, neither of the two had any visible wounds. News of the bizarre discovery quickly spread in the surrounding area becoming known as the old Casio de Mascaras du Cumbio, which infamously called the Lead Man's Case, given Nero's, especially Vindim Hill, reputation that slain in front of her, and UFO sightings, are not prone to be believing such things, attributed to death to a suicide pact, not uh, unlike Heaven Gate's suicides. During it, several days later, details of the autopsy was leaked, it's learned publicly that Miguel Manuelo Bell's bodies have been found in a mature state of decomposition. Tracing the jewel's footsteps from the Campios de Dos Gregoritecaras to Natrorori, and well including the long hike up Vintum Hill, their arrival on the top couldn't have been earlier than the evening of the 19th, the day before they were found making the level decompetition impossible. Strangely yet, as the state of their internal organs, which is described as liquefied. They mentioned shallow capsules in a crystal tone and led to intense investigation, hoping to discover poisoning as the cause of death, but in the end all poisons were ruled out. 
Suddenly, speculations being tossed around that two men attempted to try and travel succeeded to some degree, but with disastrous consequences. UFO enthusiasts still admit the event was a successful attempt to contact aliens and, and again with disastrous some consequences. In fact, the lead mask case had been classified as a close encounter of this kind and given a 443 SP credibility rating. Despite all that, there's no one theory that fully explains what happened to Mandalore, Petra, or Cruz, and, and Miguel Jez Werner on Vintum Hill. You've been noticing the holes of him up, Puck, Area 52. Now I've been talking about close encounters of the third kind, fifth kind, the lead mass.